back at it again. It's been an, it's been a little longer than usual, actually. Uh, <laughs> mainly my fault. I'll be honest. All your fault. You don't have to. You don't have to say it. I said it. It's fine. Well, there's only two people here, and I'm not taking blame. <laughs> we could have blamed. I don't know. We could have pretended like we have an editor. We're not to that level yet. They don't know that. Not with all one subscriber. Hey, last I checked, we had 15 subscribers. It it definitely jumps up and down, though. I think they might be bots. It's just my wife on 15 accounts. <laughs> if you're listening and you're an actual subscriber, I'm sorry that I called you a bot. Uh, also, hey, Tiff. Um, so I watched a movie. I watched Underwater. I also watched this underwater movie. Wow. It's funny how that keeps working out. Oh, no vampires. Did you think there were going to be vampires? I saw Kristen Stewart. I see. Well, fair enough. You're not wrong. There were no vampires. Uh, there are no werewolves. There are no pedophiles, as far as we know. Um, Did I completely miss Twilight? Was that a, a subplot? Yeah, the werewolf like was in love with a baby or whatever, right? Remember? Mm. Uh, yeah, not surprised. I did see Underworld. Same thing happened there. Really? No. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Underwater. It's a 2020 American science fiction horror film by William Eubank. Um, written by Brian Duffield? Dufield? Uh, whatever. It stars T.J. Miller, Kristen Seward, and some other people you probably don't know. Um... What'd you think? I liked it. I enjoyed the movie. I I definitely enjoyed this one. Um It's it's good. It's been getting mixed mixed reviews. Some people say it's good, some people say it's overrated. Uh I thought it was cool. I wouldn't say it's overrated because I didn't hear anything about this movie. Yeah, I didn't either. Um but it's just people being contrarian. People like to be contrarian, so Oh, people love to be the negative. Uh, which, you know, I'll be honest, I do too. But, you know, this is pretty good. I liked this movie more than I thought I would. I don't know. I kind of went into it expecting to like it. I really like nautical-themed horror and uh, monster movies in general, really. It looked a lot better than I thought it was going to look. Yeah, everything looked really nautical sci-fi. And I thought that was cool had a higher budget than I thought it was going to have as well. A lot of sh- a lot of interior shots uh, from the beginning of the movie really reminded me of the Nostromo. The Nostromos? Oh, the yeah. shit it, from the original Alien? It felt like underwater alien. The, 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 the fir- certainly the first part did to me. The uh, I don't know, man. I thought, honestly, when I was first watching it and uh, they were doing like, the establishing shots of the... Um, what would you call it? The underwater know. rig? Yeah, I guess. The... Uh, I, I keep wanting to call it a space station because it does look, it looks like a space station, but it, it's it's not. Uh, the research facility, when they were doing the establishing shots when like Kristen Stewart was in the bathroom and stuff at the beginning, it, I thought that this movie was maybe supposed to take place in an alternate universe like 1970s. <laughs> I don't know. There was like 70s colors and design aesthetics. You could tell they were inspired by the the, the spaceship set from Alien, for sure. I was disappointed that we didn't get enough establishing shots. I felt like I was robbed a little bit on knowing about this progressive underwater research facility. 
I wanted to know more of what was going on. So here, here, this is actually, this ties into my, my biggest complaint with this movie, actually one, not enough establishing stuff at the beginning. And two, we don't get to know the crew at all before the action kicks in. So you've seen alien. We've all fucking seen alien. It's my favorite horror movie. Um, I know you love it. Who doesn't? Uh, at the, one of the best things about Alien is the beginning when they all wake up from like the cryo sleep and they're all just like kind of around the table. They're bullshitting. It shows the interactions that the crew has with each other and the relationships that they have. You know, it shows like who's friendly and, and uh, it just really it gives you a sense of like these these are real people. I like to know the day to day operation. I like to know the life of the characters that you're getting ready to see die because you know it's happening and you want to care. Yeah, and uh, you really can't in this movie. It goes it goes from zero to sixty, and by probably the first two minutes of the movie, I think I didn't count or anything, but it was really quick. They really get into the action on this one, and that oh, bums yeah. me out because one of the reasons Alien has persisted for so long is because the spaceship seems like a real place. It looks like a lived in place and the crew seem like real people that have, that have interacted with each other before and stuff like that. And it's just really good. And uh, you didn't, you just didn't really get that uh, with this. This movie was also, I don't remember exactly the runtime on alien, but I think it was probably a little bit longer than this one. This was only an hour and a half. They could have definitely tacked on 30 more minutes to give you a little bit more crew insight. Even 15 would have been fine. I mean, anything, just a little bit of, of them interacting. Like, like it's obvious that uh, Kristen Stewart and TJ Miller's character know each other by the way they interact in the movie and stuff like that. And I want to, I want to see that. I want to see them interacting and talking before shit hits the fan. I want, because as it is, it's just like one character running up on another character and be like, Oh shit. Hey, we're friends. We know each other. But like, I don't know. It feels weird. To me, yeah, I would have liked, yeah, I would have liked some character establishing at the beginning for sure. You want to see character development before shit hits the fan. Yeah, and I want to see again, you know, Alien so good because of partly because of like all the sets and stuff like that. I want to see people walking around in this thing. I want to see people doing research. It's a research facility, right? I want to see them. I want to see what they're up to. I want to see the kind of stuff that they're they're looking into, the samples that they're collecting, and I mean, like where they're collecting them from, shit like that, you know. They're also at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. They've probably been there for how long? I'm sure it's uh, somewhere in the movie. Uh, They're going to be close. They're going to be tight. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, it shows that. It just doesn't show us before. I would like, I want to have known that before they were excited to find each other. You know what I mean? It's a very awesome concept. Really cool to, you know, try to twist around in your head being in that situation seven miles down. I mean, I've been a scuba diver. I've, yeah, that's unfathomable to me. The past few podcasts, Jordan here has had some character development. We talked about him living in Florida last episode. And, and while he was there, uh, he was a scuba diver. So what's the deepest that you've been underwater? Mm, like 185, 190 feet. Okay. So, you know, that's this is a little bit deeper than that. Yeah, quite a say. bit. That, that is genuinely unfathomable for the average. I can't even imagine what 180 feet looks like underwater, to be honest. The most I've ever been underwater is like 10 feet in a pool, you know, so. And even that, that's a pretty deep pool. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what 180 feet looks like. God knows. I don't know what seven miles looks like. So, Bottom of the Mariana Trench. We don't know what's there. Uh, Cthulhu, apparently. 
Spoilers. Apparently. Yeah. Um, so this movie uh, estimated budget was like 50 to 80 million. It only returned like 40 million. So not great. This is, I think this is the highest budget movie we've talked about on the podcast. Um, it was also a January horror movie. It was. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. Thank you. Uh, yeah, not exactly. It's kind of it was kind of doomed from this. Like, I don't know why anyone would release. I don't know why people release horror movies. Then I guess it's the studio not having faith in the movie. Yeah, usually. But dang, that's a not a great time to release a horror movie for sure. I didn't go see it. We we watched this digitally, so <laughs> I don't know. I guess let's uh, I guess let's get into the movie, man. And so let's, let's dive in, if you will. Uh, <laughs> what two minutes in and uh so so you get you get some shots of Kristen stewart in uh in the bathroom i think she probably just showered or something like that she's getting dressed she's like complaining a little bit about how she can't tell night from day down there and like the days run into each other and stuff like that and then all of a sudden the facility starts to like split apart there are leaks and like bad shit's happening all around um people are dying i thought this was going to be a dream sequence when i was watching it did you get that, or did you did you believe that this was like the action already? Uh, something told me deep down that this is happening. This is the movie's. I'm thrown right in. I thought for sure that that this was going to be a dream sequence, and she was going to like snap out of it at her desk or something like that. But uh, but no. She she's faced with a hard decision right from the beginning. She's got to shut a door on two guys because the. Uh, it's like a blast door kind of thing. And um, if she doesn't shut it, then like tons more people are going to die. So she basically just has to ask two dudes right at the beginning. That's rough. So she, she tries, she, they try, she meets up with two other characters along the way. One of them is TJ Miller's character, Paul. And uh, the other one was, I believe the character called Rodrigo. They are trying to make it to like the pod bay, the escape bay, whatever. And, uh, I think all the pods are gone when they get there. So they go, I believe, to another pod section or something like that. And the captain is the only one there. They talk about what their options are. And uh, basically their only option is to get in these really gnarly diving suits and walk across the ocean floor to an older drill site and hope that the older drill site still has escape pods, right? Yeah, these are really cool diving suits, too. Also, felt very alien. Agree. Um, they're described in the movie as, like, submarines you can wear, which... Yeah, I mean, there's some flaws that bothered me a little bit about these suits, but, I mean, we can get into that later. Fun fact, those suits weighed, like, 100 pounds. Oh, really? Yeah, they had to rig cables. They were, like, walking kind of on cables, partly to simulate like slow underwater movement and also because the suits weighed a hundred fucking pounds. Well, it was a lot of material and they looked like good quality. Yeah, they did. They were, they're convincing looking for sure. One of my favorite parts, probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. I'm, I'm really weird for like nice looking props and stuff like that. And, uh, like if anyone watches Adam Savage's YouTube channel, he obsesses over the same kind of thing. Like he spent years recreating that glove from the first Hellboy movie that Rasputin uses to open the portal to bring Hellboy back. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that kind of shit that I totally geek out over as well. Um, you too. I know you, you collect a lot of stuff like that. That I do. So they get in the suits, which are, you know, these pressurized, basically 
mini mobile submarines, as we said. And they get in this huge elevator, which looked like a bus on cables. And uh, they're going down. This is uh, 10, 15 minutes into the movie, maybe. And um, one of the characters gets a crack in their helmet and immediately just implodes super early in the movie. Right? <laughs> Shit's already hitting the fan. Oh, yeah. You are shown the lethality of the underwater pressure. Which I think, I honestly think it was understated, probably. Seven miles underwater. That's like, you know, that's rough. Yeah. But it was still a nice little bit of gore. I liked it. I was I was surprised. I was surprised it happened. It happened really early. Um, this movie ain't fucking around. Basically, you get into it pretty fast. No, I I thought that character was going to be around a lot longer. Yeah, me too. Like maybe a second to second to last survivor kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So Rodrigo explodes. Um, the rest of the crew. There's well, like five six people something like that. Um, they get a distress beacon from a pod that's like lower down. And two characters, one in, one T.J. Miller, and one forgettable. They go they go to examine the distress beacon and uh, find like how would you describe it? The big lump of material, I guess. It's just an entangled metal mass. It looks like a pile out of a junkyard. They find a body in this junkyard mass. Band name called it. And a creature emerges, kind of, kind of like a face hugger. Let's let's call it what it is. It's it's basically a face hugger. It's the underwater face hugger. Yeah, it looks, um, well, kind of like that weird slug thing from Hellboy One, <laughs> the one that's like stuck to his arm in an alley. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's like a like a face hugger without the flaps and arms. I guess like a it's like a slug. One of the characters kills the kills the creature, or you know, presumes he does, and takes it back to the uh, shuttle that they're all in examine it. You get like some nice close-up shots. Weird, weird thing. There's like one shot of the thing where it looks practical, where it looks like it's kind of a puppet thing. And then there's a couple of shots where it's moving around and you can tell it's like really bad CGI. Don't know what that was about. I guess maybe the director didn't find the practical effects convincing or something like that, but it was, it was weird looking in my opinion to, to cut from practical to CGI like that. They didn't pull it off very well. Uh, anyway, they assume it's an undiscovered species. Um, they take they take the shuttle the rest of the way down. When they're almost at the bottom, the Kepler, I believe it's called, the station or facility that they've been in, explodes. And they're like they're like bodies and debris flying past them. Uh, people are getting fucked up. It's pretty crazy. I'm not what caused. I guess I guess it was being attacked, and you just kind of couldn't see it. I think. Yeah, I think they were going for that. It's scarier if you don't know, kind of vibe. Yeah, which you know that works for me in a lot of a lot of movies. Yeah. And... Unseen horror is a lot more scary. Yeah, cue that quote from H.P. Lovecraft: "Fear of the unknown, all that stuff." Everyone knows it. They manage they manage to run across the ocean floor to like an access tunnel, sort of thing, and they're like kind of taking care of their suits, charging the oxygen filters and and, and stuff like that. And they find out that one character's was damaged from all the debris. This part. So, all through the movie, you're getting these. Uh, I just want to put that out there. All through the movie, you're getting these weird little nods to um, Lewis Carroll. Did you notice all that stuff? You know, no, I didn't. Okay, well, there's a character named Paul, the the one played by T.J. Miller, and he says a Lewis Carroll quote at one point, but I can't remember the exact 
quote anymore. He carries around a little white rabbit stuffed toy and calls it Little Paul. He has, I believe he has a Cheshire Cat tattoo on his chest. There's a Queen of Hearts sign on a, uh, or a Queen of Hearts card on a sign somewhere in the uh, station, I believe. Basically, there's a ton of nods to um, Alice in Wonderland. It, it, I picked up on all the references and stuff like that. Like, I caught the references, but I don't really get, I guess the director said that it's meant to echo Nora or, or Kristen Stewart's character, her falling down the rabbit hole or whatever. I don't really see it. I didn't pick up. I wouldn't have picked up on that without all of the obvious Alice in Wonderland references throughout the movie. I don't. Yeah, think I did not pick up on it. Yeah. Completely went over me. Yeah. I, I had just finished. We talked about this on the last episode. I had just finished American McGee's Alice. Uh, so I was probably just hyper aware of all the Alice in Wonderland references and stuff. But they make it to this access tunnel and uh, part of it's kind of collapsed. And Paul uh, is trying to crawl under some rubble. And gets kind of grabbed by a ghoulie and like just kind of explodes inside of his spacesuit. There's some ragu splashing up on the uh, on the helmet there and everything. You know the scene I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Pretty good. And there goes uh, our comic relief character. Yeah. Um, we haven't hit on it a ton, but yeah, TJ Miller, he's a comedic actor. Pretty much everything that he says in the movie is is a joke line. Uh, he's got a he's got a bit where he's like, oh, that was some Slender Man shit, and you know when they're getting in their suits and stuff, he's like, this better not be some twenty thousand leagues under the sea shit, man, and stuff like that. Uh, well, it was clearly. Yeah, my uh, my my favorite line that he has in the movie is whenever he um he kind of nods at the one scared and more nervous character. I forgot her name, and he's like, all right, it's your time to shine. Go on, and she, you could just see the fear in her eyes, and she's like. He's just like, yeah, I'm just joking. I don't know. I love that part. Yeah. <clears> T.J. <throat> Miller is um, one of those actors that's kind of polarizing. A lot of people love him. A lot of people hate him. I think he got Me Too'd like a year ago. I don't remember exactly what happened. I don't keep up with celebrities' personal lives and stuff like that. I think the guy's funny. Yeah, guy's hilarious. Yeah, everything I've seen him in, he's been really funny. He was great in uh, Silicon Valley. He was really good in the Deadpool movies. He was good in this. Um, you know, hopefully he's not a terrible human being. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what he did. He's definitely the more memorable character in this movie. Yeah. Kristen, Kristen Stewart kind of just played Kristen Stewart. Yeah. That's sort of her. That's kind of her thing. Wasn't much, uh, much going on with her. Couldn't really attach myself to her character. No, I, I liked her character. I mean, I, I, yeah. kinda, I, I like the stoic, tough character that doesn't really speak or react much and stuff like that. Uh, that's that's a trope I've always kind of been a fan of, and it was kind of cool to see Kristen Stewart filling that role because you know she, she plays roles where she doesn't really say much or has really deadpan delivery. That's I guess just really her personality. There are plenty of actors in Hollywood that have that exact same shtick. Seth Rogen, really T.J. Miller, uh, Pete Davidson is like the new one. You know, he's just Pete Davidson in like everything that he's in. So I'm not gonna fault Kristen Stewart too much. If you want a Kristen Stewart top character. Well, you can't do better than Kristen Stewart. So, yep, she did it. Yeah, she she came here, she fucking Kristen Stewart did it, and uh, she got her paycheck and walked out. And you know, it's fun. So the the characters, you know, they they deal with the loss of Paul, who they all seem he's like the lovable kind of guy on the crew. You can tell he's like the class clown, the cut up, whatever. They they were all kind of hurt by his loss. So the other another character, Smith, he he was the one that has had his oxygen pack kind of damaged in all the debris. 
they agree that they're going to like try and drag him along, even though he, he does, he can't really do it himself. He doesn't have enough oxygen in the, uh, in the suit to sustain him or whatever. And the crew sets off across the ocean floor, ready to make it to, to the escape pods in their facility. Fucking creature out of nowhere. Looks like a giant version of those little squid babies from Harry Potter four grabs Smith, carries him off. Captain goes like kind of, fucks around and, and gets Smith back, but they're kind of like tethered together. Nora, the captain and Smith, I believe it is. And they're getting dragged upwards by these monsters, but the captain kind of cuts himself free to, to save Kristen Stewart's character press. Uh, she makes it to another abandoned station, but I don't think it's the one that they were looking for. Changes her suit, kind of takes a shower, wigs out a little bit. Do you notice? So, She's messing around in the lockers, looking for some fresh clothes to put on and stuff, right? Right. And she opens the captain's locker, Lucian's locker, and it doesn't really... It, it kind of shows it uh, in frame, but Kristen Stewart doesn't acknowledge it or anything. There's a lot of, like, wacky, slender the eight pages, spooky drawings in the back of his uh, locker. Did you notice that stuff? I don't think... No. I wasn't really looking for it. Yeah, it was like some charcoal scribbles. I was kind of honing in on the... I would say lack thereof subplot of him and his daughter that they kind of tried to throw in. Yeah. For, for the listeners who haven't seen the movie, I'm hoping that if you're listening to these, you've seen the movie. Cause kind of the whole point is us going through the plot with you, reminding you of things and then talking about it as we go along. But if you haven't seen the movie, the captain mentions early in the movie that he's got a daughter. Kristen Stewart's character is familiar. She's heard stories. Uh, she's like, Oh, your daughter must be like about my age. Right. And he's like, yeah, sorry, I said she was 14. I just uh, slipped my mind. Yeah, she's about your age, whatever. Later in the movie, she opens the captain's locker and, like, finds his jacket and pulls out her... What are those called? Uh, the little the paper from a funeral. It's like the picture and then, like, a little poem and, you know... Is yeah, it's like a pamphlet. By... Yeah, I'm sure there's a name for it. But, yeah, it, it, the little death pamphlet. She she pulls that out and it's his daughter who died when she was 14 and stuff. So, yeah, they didn't... They didn't do much with that plot. Yeah, not sure what the point of that was, really. I guess just to give Captain a tragic backstory, but it felt it felt wasted, really. It was squandered. I guess it was just there for Kristen Stewart to feel bad. Uh, or, may, I don't know, maybe it was to relieve her conscience conscience of Captain dying, you know, because she was like, oh, shit, you got a kid, man. And Kristen Stewart's character, she, you know, she puts on a new suit. She's She's all refreshed, and she leaves the kind of midpoint station that she was at continuing on to, to the bigger station. She, she finds uh, Smith, the guy with the fucked up oxygen filter and a girl that they like kind of out of nowhere set up as a love interest for him. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, they were, they were just like, they were barely interacting. And then she mentions that she loves moon pies. And then TJ Miller's like, the Smith character finds a moon pie and TJ Miller's like, Hey man, save that and give it to your girl. Like there was no mention of, of her being his girl. <laughs> like, I feel like a lot was cut from this movie when they did the final editing. I would love a director's cut of this movie for sure. Cause it feels like there's stuff. I don't know that there, that there's, it feels like there's more <laughs> to it or there should be, I guess they make it to the station that they're trying to get to. And then how do I describe this? I thought at first that there was like a giant school of jellyfish monsters or something hanging around the entrance to the station. But, but you find out that it's the, it's not tentacles. It's actually the arms 
of the monsters that we've seen a couple of times, which I guess to try and describe it better, it kind of looks like they really do kind of look like the Mer people from Harry Potter, but they've got like these weird mouths that look like barnacles from Half-Life. If you've ever played that game, they kind of open up really, really big and they look really, they're really thin. They don't have tails or anything like that. They don't look like underwater creatures at all to me, really. In my opinion, what do you think? Because you, when you when I think underwater, like things underwater need a, a locomotion system or something. That's you know fish tails. Yeah, they have to use. They have to have momentum of to propel themselves. Yeah, or at least think. that weird tentacle, you know, opening and closing thing octopi do. But these kind of have nothing. They're just like tall or long, I guess, thin limbs. Which I mean, granted, they could use their body and wiggle. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think it's left to the rider's imagination when you're dealing with an unknown species of sort. I don't think we're meant to understand it. I don't either. I just don't think they look particularly aquatic is, is my complaint. I guess they look like something. I don't know. They look like something you, they, you, you would see in like a low oxygen environment, but, but not underwater, I guess, which, Maybe, I don't know, maybe the pressure at the bottom of the Marianas Trench caused them to be that way or something like that. I don't know. We'll never know unless there's some kind of something from the director or, or the writers or something. But Yeah, I don't think we're getting underwater part two. <laughs> we'll get to that, but um, but yeah, probably not. So they see, I was as I was describing, I thought it was a giant school of jellyfish. Turned out to be arms and not tentacles. So a ton of these monsters swim off from this like fleshy ceiling is the best way that I could kind of describe it. And uh, one actually swallows Kristen Stewart. Um, The other two characters make it into the station, but one swallows Kristen Stewart and she like shoots a flare gun that she found at the last station off the monster, you know, wigs the fuck out, leaves her alone. Um, More start kind of crawling toward her. But, if I'm not mistaken, she shoots the fl- a flare gun off in the distance, like hoping they'll chase it or something like that. And the flare lights up this gigantic kaiju monster, just barely visible off in the distance, right? What'd you think of that first revealing shot of the giant monster? I, I was kind of expecting something like that, but I liked it. I was I was fine with it. I wasn't like, oh my god, or, you know... I wasn't too terribly shocked or all inspired. I thought it looks pretty cool, but yeah. Yeah. I was like more like, ah, I see what you're doing there. Yeah, you've seen Cloverfield, right? Oh yeah. This reminded me of the Cloverfield thing, how how the Cloverfield monster had those parasites coming off of it that were attacking people around the city. That's kinda what this is. These are kinda like kinda like little creatures that I'm assuming are kind of semiotic to the bigger creature. Um you know, like little fish that attach themselves to the bottoms of sharks and eat their dead skin and shit like that. That's kind of how I imagined this was probably. They they make it into the Kristen Stewart makes it into the the new space station here. They after some hemming and hawing, they make it to the uh, escape pods. There's three escape pods, but bum bum bum. Tragically, one of them is out of commission. So uh, they put Smith into one pod, shoot his ass up, then. Kristen Stewart's character forces Haversham, the uh, love interest of Smith, into a pod. She's like, Haversham is like, oh, let me help you fix it, because Kristen Stewart tells her that she can fix the pod, right? That it's going to be fine. She's like, well, let me help you fix it. 
And she's like, no, 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 I got it. You got to get out of here. And uh, Habersham starts kind of putting things together that Kristen Stewart doesn't think she's going to make it out of here. So Kristen Stewart just fucking cold clocks her ass and shoves her in and launches her off, which I, I, I like this because this is like a traditionally masculine role in a movie, right? This is the kind of thing that the cool, gruff, you know, I don't know, Arnold Schwarzenegger top role that would normally be, right? But it's being played by Kristen Stewart. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Yeah, well, I would also think in this in our current climate that you couldn't have a character like Arnold Schwarzenegger just punching a girl in the face. I would certainly be bold. It would be bold, but, you know, it, it fit Kristen Stewart's character or lack thereof some would say and i don't know it, it fit her thought it was a good move for for all that you can say about kristen stewart and her acting in this movie i think she played the stereotype gruff character well she didn't she had the like monotone delivery the uh calm in the face of danger kind of thing uh, the self-sacrifice trope you know all that was there she played the character well, she certainly looked like a badass. She's got like a you know shaved head. She's fit. Not a, not. I could you know I could see where they're going. They're going for the uh, the Ripley kind of thing. Didn't quite make it there. Uh, Ripley is a classic character that's probably never going to be touched again. Honestly, I don't think anyone's ever going to ascend the, to that height. But you can't can't be done. No, but you know they they she made an admirable effort of trying. So the last uh, the last escape pod is clearly broken. Kristen Stewart's character, Price, um, you know, she accepts it. She goes over to the window and sees the face of this giant monster who is really fucking upset. I'm not sure why this giant monster... This was my second biggest complaint, the first being not enough establishing stuff at the beginning. And this is like, why does this monster give so much of a shit about three little humans? You know? When you think of a monster of this scale, you think of, like, Grand Destruction or something like that. You don't think of him having a fucking vendetta against one to three small people. Right. It felt weird. Right. Why would he, I even like, I would think a monster that size wouldn't even want to acknowledge. I could see the smaller monsters like, you know, trying to get at her cause they're hungry or they're bloodthirsty or whatever. But the giant monsters make a fucking lick of sense. No, it's like you see with Cthulhu and you know, him getting rammed with a boat. Uh-huh. He just, he just didn't care enough. He went away. He went to sleep again. Yeah, yeah. he was like, "This is fucking like, boring." I, I, I would not think a creature of that magnitude would be bothered by one person on a microscopic level to it. He is apparently, and uh, he kind of sent he sends the smaller monsters up to chase the two escape pods while he is trying to like get into Kristen Stewart's character. Um, Kristen Stewart you know, opens up like a control deck, which had what I believe to be a razor black widow keyboard attached to it. Uh, for any, for any PC gamers out there, I'm pretty sure they just used a razor black widow. Um, you know, she types some shit out, nice clicky noises as you'd expect. And, uh, and the station self-destructs, uh, it shows the blast radius of the station, like wiping out all the creatures and the two characters that launched in the uh, escape pod survive. Now, the most plot it, this is this is so fucking weird but the most plot you get in this movie happens during the end credits did you stick around and pay attention to it all yes yes i did yeah so there's a lot of stuff there's like newspaper clippings and stuff like that explaining that tn industries uh the drilling company there was like a disaster at their their underwater uh facility and um the government and 
the company is like keeping it quiet. They're like hushing up the two survivors. The survivors are declining interviews. Uh, and then right at the end, it shows that TN Industries is opening up. They're going to rebuild the facility and re restart their efforts to do whatever they were doing down there. Now, funny, that's the end of the movie, uh, basically. Not a lot of plot in the movie. Um, we'll we'll recap our thoughts in a second. But funny you should say the Cthulhu thing. The director actually confirmed that the monster in this movie is Cthulhu. That was really? Cthulhu. Yeah, that was that was Cthulhu. Not my favorite portrayal of Cthulhu, gotta admit. Oh, that's a bold move. Yeah. I would have preferred just a unknown entity. Agreed. Like go the Cloverfield route, in my opinion. Yeah. But he didn't do that. He said this is Cthulhu. Now I get we we which we went over this in when we did uh the color out of space. Um I'm fine with directors and writers taking their own liberties and stuff like that. But this monster does not have anything in common with the Cthulhu character from Lovecraft's original story. Um, I don't think Cthulhu would, like Jordan was saying, I don't think Cthulhu would ever act this way. He doesn't give a shit about humanity. That's kind of his thing. Like he literally got a boat rammed through his fucking head and he was like, this is stupid. And he went back to sleep. Yeah. He's a great old one. He's not. Yeah. I can see where drilling would disturb him, but come on. Yeah, totally. That that that's I could, like I would have been totally fine with the smaller monsters attacking everyone while Cthulhu destroys the drilling operation in the background. But the movie should have ended with Cthulhu just going back to sleep or swimming off. I don't see him getting vindictive against these human characters. He would have hated I imagine okay, I'm, I know I'm speaking a lot. <laughs> for Cthulhu here. Uh, we'll interview Cthulhu on the next episode if we can. We'll try. We haven't talked to him in a while. I'll but, tweet him. Yeah, go ahead and tweet at him. DM him, actually. He responds to his DMs a lot more. I don't see Cthulhu ever ever doing that. <laughs> you know? It, it, they would have been... It would, it would have been like him... Okay, it would have been like you in a lake like chasing after fucking minnows or something. Like, they're... No, who cares? Who fucking cares? You're not going to go after the minnow. You're going to go after the catfish, right? Right. It doesn't make any sense for Cthulhu to be that upset at a couple of little humans. Like I said, destroying the drilling operation makes total sense. Um, yeah, weird, weird choice to make it make the monster in his movie Cthulhu, in my opinion. We will gatekeep Cthulhu all day long. Yeah, I mean, kind of. It, I the the Lovecraft mythos, the love, the Lovecraft. Um, I don't know. We'll just we'll just call it the Lovecraft mythos. Um, it's been sort of watered down nowadays. People people think that like big monster in an aquatic environment equals Lovecraftian, and it really doesn't. There's a lot more to it. The existential dread is is the formula that that got Lovecraft where he is. Now removing the racism, totally fine with that. We're cool with that here on the podcast. Um, but you got to have the existential dread. That's kind of the big point, right? If you're trying to pull off a Lovecraftian story, humans need to be insignificant in it. That's the yeah. that's where the fear comes from. That we it can't has to do be anything something about. you can't comprehend. Yeah, uh, the whole the whole point, the reason it's scary is that we can't do anything about it. It's too late. We're we're not the apex predator anymore, you know. Which the way I just described it made it sound like predator is Lovecraftian, but it's not. All right. Uh, 
a lot of, lot of Lovecraft stuff coming out. I think Color Out of Space did a good job. I got a feeling Jordan Peele is probably going to do a pretty good job with Lovecraft Country. I know yeah, that. I'm gonna, I'm a, I'm, I think I'll be a fan. Yeah, we're we're fans of Jordan Peele here. I mean, I think he, they even have you have you watched much Key and Peele? I know this is a comedy series, but yeah, yeah, I've uh, I watched it when it first came out. Really liked it. Thought it was funny. I just don't watch a lot of TV. Yeah. There's a I don't I don't either, but there are a couple of skits in that show that that border on horror themselves, even in Key and Peele. And then he went on to do Get Out and Us, and he did you know he worked on the the Twilight Zone kind of reboot, which I haven't watched a ton of, I'll be honest. But um, I think he's gonna do good with Lovecraft Country. I saw a trailer, and uh, I don't think that the monster they show off in that is very Lovecraftian. But I don't I think Jordan Peele probably understands. Lovecraft better than that. I don't think that's really where the fear is going to come from. It's probably going to be the existential dread that the characters feel. I think that's going to be important. Um, but yeah, that's that's enough of me fucking gatekeeping Cthulhu, I guess. Uh, you know, just, there's more to it. There should be more to it than a giant monster. Theory, theory states, um, which I think is kind of cool, that TN Industries, the drilling operation, they're actually like a modern, well-funded uh, cultist operation that we're trying purposefully to to raise Cthulhu. What do you to think about that? rouse Cthulhu from his slumber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's uh, a really cool subplot, and I think the right director or writer, whoever, could could really run with that. And there's a lot of content you could work with. Yeah, but I, I don't know if they will or not. Hmm. As as parallel as the movie did, I'm not sure if we'll get a sequel. It, I I like the idea of a modern, well-funded, you know, suit kind of cultist. A white collar cult. Yeah, I like that. I think that's cool. There's I a lot of a lot of stuff you could do with that, but you know, I think I think it was a little bit squandered here. If that's what they were going for, I think that's only a fan theory. I don't know if the director has confirmed that. As far as I know. He only confirmed that the monster was, in fact, Cthulhu. Well, I think the takeaway here is, you know, it was an enjoyable movie. You should watch it. Yeah, give it a shot. Let us know what you think. Hopefully you've already seen it. I'll be honest. Hopefully if you're listening to this, you've already seen it. I think you'll get the most out of the podcast if you've already seen it. But if not, definitely check it out. And as Jordan was so kindly saying, let us know what you think. At Into the Bog on Twitter. I mean, we, we check it all the time. We, we don't get a lot of tweets, uh, I'll be honest, but, you know, we'd love to hear from you, hear what you think about the movie, hear how wrong we are, um, tell us why you hate T.J. Miller and Kristen Stewart, you know, whatever, we want to hear it. We're us, I don't care. Yeah, I'm fine with that, light us up. We got thick skin. Oh, yeah. Anything else you've been up to? I think that's about, I think we about covered underwater. Um, yeah, I think we've, uh, I think it's time to come up for air. <laughs> that was clever. Thank you. You're welcome. Anything else you've been up to in the world of horror? You said you bought a Shutter subscription. You check anything out on there? Man, no, not a thing. I haven't watched anything else on there. Fair enough. I started. You recommended it. I started uh, American Horror Story 1984. I'm only about four episodes in, but how, how you liking that? Um, yeah, I, I like it. It's mediocre. It's not what I expected so far. Um, no, no. Spoilers for American Horror Story 1984 inbound. Uh, I'm about four episodes in and and things have just gotten way off the rails <laughs> uh there are ghosts now and uh everybody is a murderer now like everyone 
all of a sudden is a murderer. Uh, Richard Ramirez is in it, which he's been in it from the beginning, but now he's a ghost for some reason. And, uh, you know, it's fucking confusing. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of twists and turns that, and that's kind of what kept me there. Yeah, that's like, sort of. I've got to see what the next crazy thing is. That's the American Horror Story style, isn't it? It's never cut and dry with that show. Some seasons have done it better than others, but. Yeah, which I mean, that's really their strong point. Like, there's a lot of basic cut and dry horror out there. Mm. I, there's not much quite like their their uh, their brand. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the um, the normalization of murder <laughs> in that season. Really, you know, it held my attention. I was like, wow, just, yeah, everybody here is a murderer. Yeah, just out of nowhere. There's like, there's like three characters so far that haven't been confirmed to be murderers, and most of them are dead already. So I don't know where the fuck this season's going to go. Like, hell, I ha- most people are dead where I've seen up to, and uh, I don't know how much, I don't know how they can sustain it. It's been like, so I've watched four episodes. It's like two hours. It's it's basically been a two hour long slasher movie, uh, which you know, that's okay. I'm fine with that. I don't hate slash. Slasher's not my my favorite horror kind of subgenre, but I don't hate it obviously, and uh, it's been good. But I don't know how the fuck they're gonna like sustain six more episodes. <laughs> I'm assuming that there's gonna be some kind of shift in uh, the pace. But there's a few shifts here and there. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Anything anything else you want to talk about? Let's see, a world of horror. Oh, yeah, I did watch a medieval fantasy-like horror movie the other day. That is a just untapped market, I think. It is. There's not a lot of that. Yeah, and um, it was okay. It was just called The Headhunter. You're uh, set up in your typical dark fantasy world where it's just... Big ass mercenary berserker dude just uh, goes out and hunts monsters, but they do it from more of a horror perspective and do a pretty good job. I recommend. I won't spoil anything. Mm. Yeah, I think I've heard, I think I've actually heard of that on the. Uh, I think I've seen it recommended on the horror subreddit before and meant to check it out and never got around to it. So I, it looks like it had a cheap budget, not a big cast of characters, which I think can works pretty good for a horror movie without too many characters. Yeah, good. I'd, I'd check that out. Headhunter, Netflix. Other than that, it's, you know, not a whole lot going on. What about you? Nah, I mean, I checked out American Horror Story and finished um, American Me's Alice like last episode that we did this. So. Mostly, mostly if I see something that interests me, I've just been banking it to talk about on here lately. So I haven't been I've been watching really as much. Do about one movie a week. I should probably speed it up. Pick up the pace. You're outstripping me, but I don't know. What are we gonna do on the next episode? Maybe you guys. It'd be great if one of you guys would give us a recommendation. But yeah, I bet you won't. But nobody here will. <laughs> Cowards. Except my wife. You don't count. No. Uh, make a new account. Tweet at us. Make it look like uh, we have an actual fan. What is on our agenda next week? I know we had some notes here, but... I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll just talk about it. You'll have to tune in next week to find out. Yeah, we always we always put a tweet up when a new episode is out, so at Into the Bug again. We are also open to read 
horror. Um, we play horror video games. You know, any facet of horror, we'll we'll get involved in. So if you got any recommendations, let us know. Yeah, and, if your uh, house is haunted, um, let us know. We'll buy a bus ticket. We'll come check it out. Oh, please let me know. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, actually. Before Jordan bought the house that he's currently in, uh, I'll put the address in the description of this episode so you can come by and say hi. He almost bought a house specifically because it was haunted. I think, can't remember exactly what fell through, but story goes that there was a dead kid that, that haunted the attic. And he, he called me one day and he's like, dude, just put a bid in on a house. You're never going to believe it. There's a little kid ghost that lives there. I was like, what the fuck? It was a really nice house. Would have been worth it. You guys could have raised a beautiful ghost child together. Hey, maybe one day. Ooh, that sounds wrong. <laughs> I, mean, I guess we'll wrap it up. All right. Till uh, next time. Stay creepy.